0: Hi, I'm Abby, and I'm here with Alan. Hello. And we are here from the future. We're so thankful that you're listening to the early episodes of our podcast. We just wanted to give you a heads up that our format has changed pretty dramatically. And now we do these deep dives into occult and horror history, as well as reading horror stories.
1: So if you want to enjoy the podcast in its current format, start somewhere around episode 22.
0: Or listen backwards. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Lunatics Radio Hour, the podcast where we dramatically read you creepy short stories. If you're super into horror, sci-fi, or anything a little off, then you're in the right place. I'm Abby Branker, the author of all these stories so far, though we'd love to read your stories too if you'd like to email them to filmsaboutlunatics at gmail.com. So today we're going to kick things off with a story that I wrote almost three years ago now. Um, Our friend and talented voice actor, Avi Dobkin, is going to read the woods to you. Avi also has his own podcast with our friend Dan, where they watch and review all the episodes of the Power Rangers. Um, That's all of the episodes ever made. Is that right, Avi? That's all
2: the episodes ever made, yeah.
0: And how many seasons is that?
2: Um, I think they're up to 26 or 27.
0: And what are you up to?
2: Like 12 or 13.
0: And then what are you going to do when it's over?
2: uh die a little bit more on the inside.
0: There you go.
2: Uh, I don't know. I think we've, we've talked about um, what to do next, but I think that the idea that we will have gone through every episode of Power Rangers mm-hmm. from the very first episode filmed in 1993 to whatever year it is when we eventually finish is such a um terrifying thought yeah. in a lot of ways, or it's like just thinking about the amount of time in our lives we will have spent watching Power Rangers.
0: Yeah, someone had to do it, though.
2: Yeah. I mean, other people have done it.
0: Part of a select few, I suppose. That's right. So that podcast, since Avi's not plugging it himself, is called From Alpha to Zed. Is, right, is it available everywhere you can get podcasts?
2: Yeah, it's available uh, anywhere that I think people do get podcasts, which is uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Do people use other services?
0: No, great. Spotify, do you say Spotify? No, are you on Spotify? I'll look into it. Okay, I think that's a pretty major one. Is it? I think it's the most major one. Is it really? Yeah, for sure. Hands down. Um, cool. Also, one more um, tidbit I'd like to share about Avi, pending how he reacts to this. Okay, I just wanted to let everyone know that we've played D and D several times together.
2: Yeah, a couple times.
0: And Avi's always been the dungeon master. Uh huh. So I feel like the bar is pretty high for you to read this story in like a dramatic and entertaining way. Yeah,
2: I mean, I do a I do a lot of funny voices.
0: Great. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear them now as Avi reads the woods.
2: The Woods, written by Abby Brinker, narrated by Abby Duncan. John peered through the trees. He could barely make out their curvy, silhouetted outlines as they moved before the fire. He took careful steps, not wanting to draw attention to himself. The atmosphere seemed to change as he approached. The smells became richer, his nose picked up, the sweet notes of women notes of lavender and lilac that settled around him like a cloud of perfume. It made his mouth water. It drove him closer, drawing him in. The forest around him was draped in shadows. Orange flashes of light flickered from the fire, making the trees seem to dance around him. The women had long hair. He was close enough to see that now. Through their singing, he could hear the crackling of the fire. He settled behind a tree ready to watch every inch of his body was tingling his skin was excited by what lay before him they moved freely wildly some spun and threw their arms up in the air others sat on rocks chanting and singing for others they were not all identical but they were all beautiful some blonde some brunette some thin and some thick but all curvy and soft all with full hips and breasts he thought he counted 12 but they moved so fluidly it was hard to keep track he could not tell the language of the song it seemed jovial powerful he wondered what they danced for did they seek to conjure up some pagan god were they simply women of the wild did they celebrate something he leaned closer on his rock starting to abandon his urge to hide He wanted to know more about this group. The fire burned higher than before. It seemed to grow in girth and height as they danced faster and sang louder. Their naked bodies moved before him. He felt no guilt for watching them in silence, only intrigue and yearning. He heard a crackling from behind him. At first, he thought it was the sounds from the bonfire echoing around the trees, but it seemed different. He turned. A man approached from behind. He was older and staggered, stumbling on rocks and roots. John thought perhaps he was hurt, but as he came closer, it was clear he was drunk. John felt a sting of panic. He slipped behind his tree, hiding himself away from the approaching man. The drunkard stormed past him. John did not think he would even have noticed him if he hadn't hid. When he passed, the stink of rum and vomit was alarming. It cut through John's senses, erasing the pleasant smell of lilacs. It was sobering. The man charged straight for the women, who did not shriek or try to cover themselves as he tripped into the brightly lit clearing. They took notice and stopped their singing, but did not look afraid. John was forced to cover his face to block out the smell, but the ladies did not need to do this. They did not seem to be bothered by the foul odor. They stood in silence, waiting for him to make his move. John crouched lower, keeping out of sight. You stupid bitches! The man blurted out the words, which sent him into a coughing fit. He recovered and spit into the ground, an inch from the nearest woman. She did not flinch. You stupid goddamn bitches! He moved now, stumbling around the circle. "'Don't you know what you are doing, dancing naked in the middle of these woods? "'Do you know of the drunkards and the vagabonds that roam these woods? "'Men that are lonely, that have been without the warmth of a woman in many weeks. "'You are asking for it?' "'He motioned toward a young-looking girl. "'Her long red curls hung around her hips. "'They flowed like waves around her plump curves. "'You, girl!' "'He stumbled towards her, grabbing her waist.' pulling her away from her group. Still, she did not flinch. She dug her feet firmly into the ground, refusing to follow. John thought the man must have been very drunk if this young girl was able to resist his force. The drunk stumbled back. At once, several women enclosed him. They grabbed him off the girl and threw him to the ground. None of them spoke. They were unlike any women he'd seen before suddenly the sound of tearing flesh and screaming enclosed him he thought he was going to faint bits of the drunk man's body hair brain were being thrown about across the clearing the women seemed ravenous and incredibly powerful john's heart sank to the pit of his stomach he was frozen he dared not move even to sneak away he knew now that their senses were elevated They had known the drunk man was coming, and they'd known he'd been there the whole time. In the center of the clearing was a heaping pile of flesh and blood. The women had blood smeared across their bodies. They all, totally in unison, let out a howl. They seemed to be answered by the wolves around them. John took a quiet step backwards. "'Stop,' one woman said, almost casually. John froze. He was too disgusting to eat, but we're hungry and you're fresh and young. John made to run back towards the road, but before he could take a few steps, hands were on him, pulling him toward the clearing. All he could think about was the man's shrill scream, knowing he'd be screaming next.
0: The end. I forgot how sexual that story was.
2: Yeah, it's real sexy. Excuse me, (laughs) sexual.
0: Yeah, it's not very sexy.
2: I mean, there are all sorts.
0: All sorts of sexual attractions?
2: Yeah, all sorts of people into all sorts of things.
0: Sure. You're right. I redact my statement.
2: I mean, just because you didn't necessarily find it sexy doesn't mean that the words you wrote someone else won't find sexy.
0: Sure. That's a fair point. Thank you, Avi.
2: Yeah, it was a pleasure.
0: Awesome. Anthony sent me about 15 sample voices today and I didn't like any of them (laughs) but we're gonna see what happens um hey Anthony you there hey (laughs) you know it's a podcast so the more you talk the better oh we're live we're live
3: oh how's it going good how are you I'm pretty hungry yeah yeah
0: well we'll get you out of here quick
3: okay are you coming to dinner no. Okay.
0: I got more podcasts to record. Where are you gonna go?
3: Um, I don't know yet.
0: Are you going around here?
3: Yeah, I'm probably gonna meet Haley somewhere.
0: Nice. Haley Haley Robletto, Anthony's wife, my friend. Yes. Is her name officially Robletto?
3: Um yes, mostly.
0: Mostly. Cool. The more you know. All right. Well, we're going to get Anthony home and on his way to food with his wife quickly. So without further ado, Anthony, with his second time reading a story on the Lunatics Radio Hour podcast, is going to be reading The Window. Cheerio. Cheerio.
3: She tucked her hair behind her ear and continued to look up at the empty window in the house next door. She had sworn she'd just seen a flash of light from the upstairs window, and she was kicking the soccer ball around the yard. She looked around, but there wasn't anything else that could have made a reflection. She almost thought she saw the outline of someone. Now it was completely dark. A soft wind rustled her back to reality. She hadn't really noticed the house next to hers until the leaves fell that year. Her family had moved in the summer, but now everything around her was bleak and gray. Alex, mom says dinner's ready. Coming. Hurry, it's pizza. She turned and made her way inside. Does someone live in that house next door?
0: <laughs>
3: I can't do that? You can. Okay, This is perfect. Alex washed her hands in the sink as her mother gave her a kiss on the cheek. Between hours and the stop sign, I've seen an older-looking woman bringing in groceries. Figured she lived there with her husband. It's certainly not well-maintained. The yard needs a good mowing. Jack, maybe you can offer to mow their yard. Yeah, sure. After dinner, Alex was sitting on her bed, reluctantly brushing her sopping wet hair. Even through the bit of water lodged in her ear, she could hear the sounds of her brother watching Nickelodeon in the living room below. She turned up her music. Clumsy Christmas lights hanging around the exterior of the room cast moody shadows. Her hair kept getting caught in her brush, and she was pretty sure Jack from study hall had ignored her note on purpose. A light suddenly turned on in the house next to hers. It was coming from the same window as before. Her heart skipped a beat. Without thinking, she slunk off of the bed and moved towards the source of the light. Looking out of the window was like looking in a mirror. Silhouetted in the window, directly across from her, was what looked like a young girl. Alex quickly lunged for the plug to the Christmas lights, outlining her room, and plunged herself into darkness. The light across the way went out. In the house next door sat Sam. Sam hadn't meant to scare anyone. She had been watching the girl across the street ever since they miraculously appeared th- that summer. She had listened to their voices echo in the yard for a few days before she'd even dared to look. She would wait for her mother to go to bed so she could sneak the wooden board off her window and let the family across the street breathe life into her nights. She looked down at her fingernails, bloody from picking the board, blocking the back door. The girl across the street had taught her what a family should be. Now she wanted someone to find her. She wanted to be freed, to play outside, to laugh with people. She would try again tomorrow. Sam heard the sound of mother moving below and quickly replaced the wooden board, whispering goodnight to her only friend.
0: The end. What did you think of that one, Anthony?
3: Honestly, I don't know what was going on in that story.
0: There was a girl, like a teenage girl, Mm -hmm. playing soccer in her yard with her sibling. She looked up and she thought she saw something in a window. She came in. She asked her mom about it. They were like, oh, weird people live there. Later that night, she saw a light come on in that room suddenly for the first time ever. And she's like really freaked out. She unplugged her lights and then the light across the street went out. And then the narration switches to the perspective of the girl in the window across the street Mm. who's being kept as a prisoner in the house by her mother. And so she just took the board down to try to you know, have like a human connection. It's probably not a good sign that I have to explain the story though after someone read it. But anyway, thanks Anthony. Thank you. It's a pleasure as always. Yep. Hello, Alan. Hi. Our next reader is my boyfriend, the sound engineer of this podcast and a very active member of the lunatics community. Alan, can I say your last name? You may. Alan Kudan. That's me. How are you?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm excited to be part of this.
0: You have a very good um, voice presence. Oh, thank you. I've never heard your voice in this way before.
1: This is uh, what's known as good mic control.
0: Is there something maybe about your day-to-day job that might have helped inform that?
1: I don't see how they're related.
0: Alan is a sound mixer for film and television and commercials and all kinds of things. He's sound mixed over 50 feature films. Uh, it's, Is that figure low?
1: Uh, no, that, I think that's high. Oh. I'm shy of 50.
0: Well, maybe this year we'll get there. Maybe once I finally write Death Farm. Death Farm. The musical.
1: Death Farm coming soon.
0: Hopefully. Okay. Well, Alan's going to read our next story. Because he has a very good mic presence, which I've just now found out. So I wrote this story after a recent trip to New Orleans. Turns out, New Orleans is an amazing place for anyone who is into hauntings or the occult, which I am. And I found a mecca, so to speak, there. Mecca. Yeah. So this is just a little something, but I've got tons of books and things I picked up there. And I want to like do some deeper dives into some New Orleans culture. So coming soon. Um, but anyway, this one is called The Key. Take it away, Alan Kudan.
2: The Key written by Abby Brinker Narrated by Alan Kudan
1: When Lacey got home from work, there was a skeleton key sitting in the middle of her living room. It was not a mystery key. It was indeed her key. But it was very curious that it was so far from where it was meant to be. It usually sat inside a box on a makeshift altar in her room. She had been given the key a month earlier, in a New Orleans back alley by someone she suspected to be a voodoo priestess. She had packed it safely into her carry-on and brought it back to New York, placing it on her altar as a symbol of her love for New Orleans and voodoo culture, and her early flea market memories with her father. They would go to the next town over every Sunday. The town put on a huge flea market in an old mill building he let her pick out one skeleton key each week. He'd prompted that she could write a story about each, describing what world it unlocked. She hadn't done that as a kid, but she brought back the key from New Orleans with new inspiration. Maybe she would do that now. The keys from her childhood sat in a cigar box on the altar, along with a note from her grandfather and a bracelet from her grandmother. Since a heavy candle sat on top of the closed box, it was shocking on so many levels that it now sat in the middle of her living room. She bent down and picked it up. Her first thought was that someone had broken into her apartment, and while rummaging around, the key was taken out of her box and dumped on the floor. But nothing was out of place. Her laptop and camera sat untouched on her desk. Lacey knew it was the key she'd been given in New Orleans because of the markings along the side of it. The breezes had told her it had a long history of being used in rituals in Louisiana. The markings were remnant of an almost forgotten sigil practice. The priestess had also warned that no one else should touch the key. She squeezed it, baffled and unnerved. Her apartment sat perfectly clean and in order around her. Then she saw it. Out of the corner of her eye, a shadow moved. She thought it must have been a trick of the light, but then she saw it out of the other eye. Whipping around, she wasn't quite quick enough to catch the source, but there was definitely something there. Something moved around her, taunting her. She knew it wasn't tangible. The key grew warm in her hand. Lacey couldn't tell if it was warm because of how tightly she was clutching the metal, or because of whatever shadow was stalking her. She felt an earth-shattering shift. The air felt harder to breathe in her lungs as shadows started to impede her vision. She couldn't tell if it was a haunting or if she was about to pass out. Maybe both. She frantically backed away from them, but it made no difference. No matter how she moved, they seemed to be just as close. She felt trapped. Then, what looked like a ring-wraith started to emerge slowly from the floor. Slightly humanoid, but totally transparent. It was as if a man's shadow had lost its human counterpart. Suddenly, the skeleton key slammed out of her hand into the floor. The noise was far too loud. Sound waves billowed around her head, knocking the shadows away. All was still. The shadows had gone. Without thinking or stopping, she sprinted out of her apartment, not even locking her door. She flew down the flight of stairs until something stopped her dead in her tracks. A bit of red was starting to seep under her doorframe. She boldly turned towards her downstairs neighbor's apartment door, putting whatever had just happened upstairs out of her mind. She knocked. She knocked silence. She knocked again. Nothing. Hello? Everyone okay in there? She wasn't optimistic, but she tried the handle. It opened. Taking a big gulp of semi-clean air, she held her breath and took a step inside. The first thing she saw was more red, an overwhelming amount of red. Blood was splashed up against the clean, white cabinet doors. Several bodies laid in the center of the room. It was recent. The roaches hadn't flooded the space yet. She shut the door and vomited in the corner of the hallway. After the police had left and her best friend had come to hold her hand, they made their way back upstairs to her apartment. Lacey was still shaky as her friend closed the door behind them. The shadows that had haunted her apartment earlier had totally left her mind in lieu of the terror downstairs. For some reason, maybe to keep from the gut-wrenching scene that she had witnessed, her mind floated to the skeleton key. She glanced the floor, but it was gone. She released her friend's hand and hurried to the cigar box. The key was safely inside. Maybe it was a protection sigil after all.
0: The end. How do you feel? Oh, good. Did you enjoy that?
1: I did enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I'm gonna. I want to clarify the story.
1: So, I uh, can. Can can I try? Yeah. So the key. Hmm. Was, like, this protection ward and, like, moved itself. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So, like, it was in the cigar box, and then, like, something awful happened to her downstairs neighbor, and then it just, like, moved to where it had to be?
0: Well, something awful happened, and then these, like, awful, demonic, negative murder spirits, murder energy, right, came out of the murder. Mm. And so it was reacting to that. And then she went downstairs. And so it was back at the end because, you know, it didn't need to be in its, in, in its protection pose anymore. That's cool.
1: So, like, the key, like, what, slammed into the ground or something and, like, blasted the energy spirit away? Speed of light. Speed of light. Wow. <laughs> That's been, It's proven. Causing a nuclear explosion.
0: Yep. That's what it happened.
1: Detrimental to ghosts. That's fact.
0: Yep. That's the only way... To deal with them mm. That is all we have For you today If you're into What we're doing You could subscribe To this podcast And you'll You know Be able to tell More easily When we have A new episode out And it's also Really helpful For us too You know Across all platforms Subscribers And engagement Comments Likes It really does Kind of help With the mission, You know Helps the algorithm So in that case If you're interested In short films You should check us out On YouTube Films about lunatics On YouTube Um and yeah follow us on instagram films about lunatics we'll post some updates there about the podcast and you'll see tons of updates about other things and spooky creepy content year round all right well peace and love we'll see you next time you want to say bye no okay bye Thanks for listening. If you'd like some bonus content, consider supporting us on Patreon to access our patron-exclusive podcast, Horror Movie Club.
1: Also head to lunaticsproject.com to check out our spooky merch and apparel.
0: You can find us at Lunatics Project on Twitter and TikTok, and The Lunatics Project on Instagram and YouTube, where you'll find our short horror films, cemetery tours, and so much more.
1: And please rate and review. A little feedback goes a long way to help us grow and get more content out there.
0: Our cover art is by Pilar Kep. And musical bumpers are by Michaela Papa and Jordan Moser.